Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on this Wednesday morning, the 23rd of August. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4SB Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL Charleville, 4GC Charters Towers, 4HI and Emerald and the Hot Country Network. A very good morning to you. It's a special day for so many reasons, but most importantly, uh, Queensland's great race caller for the bush and Part of the 4LG and Resonate Network, Andrew Watts. It's his birthday today. Wattsy, happy birthday. I hope you have a great day. Uh, one of the real great race callers in rural and regional Queensland. You haven't heard his voice at a race meeting. You haven't been to a country race meeting. He's um, an absolute star on the rise in the race calling world. Uh, happy birthday. Hope you have a great day. Big show for us this morning. Um, we're going to talk very shortly with Cyril Close. Roma under a bit of pressure. And there's 7,500 in Dolby today. This market is it's at its seams at the moment. Bill Lyon from St John's Ambulance will join us with an initiative they're trying to petition the government with. We'll catch up with musician and legend Scotty Mack from Charleville um, to The Voice. Yep, Scotty Mack will join us a little later. Colin Bettle, who is the CEO of Grain Growers Australia, will join us. But up next, we're going to catch up with Darlene, Ru- what? Darlene Ray, I beg your pardon, she is um, the managing director of OB Beef and that organic juggernaut that the OB Beef. She joins us next. This is Rural Queensland today. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is the 23rd of August across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. On Wednesday morning, the 23rd of August, uh, OB Beef Organic Managing Director Darlene Ray joins us this morning. She's been on the show before and she joins us on this Wednesday morning. Good morning, Darlene. How are you? Good morning, Ben. Great to be with you. Yeah, same. Um, Obviously, lots going on, um, and the organic beef industry has never been at a more exciting time, but there is always some challenges. Um, A snapshot, firstly, you know, a lot of your cattle and a lot of OB Organics beef comes from the channel country surrounding, you know, Birdsville and Baduri and, and places like that, and one thing we have seen with those mid-year storms and, and through different times and through lack of funding from government is poor access, and that's always been a concern. It's been a challenge for everybody, but never has there been a time where we need to be on the world stage and trying to market our beef. We need to be able to get them to market, and that's the real challenge, transforming it. It shouldn't be on the, on the grower. It needs to come from some help from the government. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, millions and t- tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollar of export dollars for Queensland comes from the channel country in the form of uh, livestock uh, in terms of box beef, but also resources. And uh, we're, we've been asking the Queensland government for many years, and I guess we're getting louder now, uh, to make more of an investment in the roads that move our commodities out of Western Queensland and to the world. Well, the problem is that they want this tourism business and, you know, we, you can talk about, like, you know, the big red bash and you can talk about all these things, birds or races. They want all these people to go there. You can't have all that traffic on there. There's a business that's got to be run as well and that's just one part of it. But you talk about Western Queensland, you talk about, you know, go as high, you know, out past Longreach, all down through there. It, there is a lot of work that needs to be done on roads. Now... You're right about it. I thought we were getting somewhere. I genuinely did. I thought there was some funding in the budget 
there had been some talk even with the highway between Bullia and across to Western Australia. But since the last 12 months, it's all been, it's completely been pulled. And, and there must be some frustration coming from your end. I can only imagine how the producers are, but they want all this tourism dollar and they're happy to get everybody out there from all around Australia, which is great. But they're not looking after the people that you know provide the beef for the nation, and and wanna, it just makes no sense at all. Well, I think um, that's one perspective. I guess the other perspective is that we, as an industry, need to do a better build a better case to government to uh, move dollars around so that it's spent on very very remote roads. And we're building a case uh, off the back of a Queensland government inquiry into a very specific road. So it's a road between. Well, a couple of roads between Windora and Birdsville and Birdsville and Baduri, and they're in far, far southwest Queensland, 1,600 kilometres west of Brisbane. And you might say, um, why, do, why should the Queensland government invest in this road over other roads that need investment in? What we're saying is it's not only uh, the beef industry and the resources industry that, that use these roads, it's tourism as well. And it, there's some really interesting facts that have been presented to, to the Queensland government in, inquiry uh, last week, actually, in Birdsville, showing that the the tourism nights for tourists travelling to both the Big Red Bash and the Birdsville Races is more than the Magic Millions uh, on the Gold Coast. It's quite incredible. So the Queensland government and, and, and businesses throughout Queensland are earning more money from tourists that attend the Birdsville Races and the Big Red Bash than they do from tourists attend attending the Magic Millions. So why won't they put money into that? Like, If that's the case, why are you guys not getting the access? I mean, you want the access so you can get the beef out. So I know you're talking about it in greater, but like, is that, a, is that a real distinct possibility? Can they see that? Well, I think one of the challenges is this particular road that I'm talking about has 185 kilometres of dirt. And when uh, there are decision makers deciding when to, where to invest money and when to invest money, we don't we don't expect to get ninety million dollars to bitumen one hundred and eighty five kilometres of road. But I think what we need to start with is overtaking lanes, and that might come at a cost of five or ten million dollars. And I think what we see is decision makers previously have said, why would we invest five million dollars for an overtaking lane when there's one hundred and eighty five k's that that don't have bitumen so we won't invest there we'll take the five million and spend it somewhere else in Queensland and so over 10 years there really hasn't been anything spent because we've used that same logic it's 195 k's why why just put in a 5k overtaking lane we won't do anything but unfortunately that snowballed into a a problem now when we've got this road that's used by tens of thousands of vehicles that is not fit for purpose and the other thing that's happened over the last decade is everyone's got bigger cars and yep. everyone's got a caravan. Yeah, yeah. There were 50,000 caravan res- registrations in Australia last year and a proportion of those are using this road and it's dirt. And so we need the government to, uh, the Queensland and the federal government to understand the business case has changed for investment in bitumen on these outback roads. Yeah, great flag, great flag as well. Talk to me about the organic beef industry at the moment. We've seen a real decline um, this year um, in the whole industry. Um, it was expected that there was going to be a decrease, but never to this level. Has the organic industry, from an export perspective, has it held up? Well, I think there is that rhetoric around there that, that prices have come back a long way. but Well, it's um, not rhetoric, it's fact. <laughs> it's actual fact. Your listeners will be interested to know that we – 
the second highest price we've ever paid for livestock was was last financial year, so sure. FY23 yeah, that yeah, ended sure. in, in June um, June 30 last year. So producers that have supplied Obi for 25 years, the second highest price they've ever got was up to the 30th of June uh, this year. So uh, the price is coming back. Uh, export markets are still there for, for organic beef producers in Australia, whether you're an, whether you supply Obi or, or other businesses. The, the largest um, uh, portion of our product goes into the US and that's because there's an insatiable appetite for something different. So in the US, there are consumers there that are uh, eating beef from all around the world and what they want is a guarantee that your beef is clean and safe and they get that guarantee from Australia. And interestingly, Australia has the largest area of certified organic land in the world and the majority of that is in the Lake Air Basin. Yeah, so I mean, so there's obviously a real market there. That's the good thing. That's the best thing about it. So the market is there for it, regardless. So it is. It was always one of these things that you know people were like, "Well, it's very difficult to become organic, and it's very hard." But it, it's got simpler. You guys have made it. It not simpler. You still have to go through procedures, but the. The, the misconception that it was so difficult to get organic status, that's just not the case. Well, 25 years ago, organic beef didn't exist and Obi was the first business in the world that really exported organic beef. So for a producer that doesn't use many inputs, so they're not dipping their livestock, they're not using uh, certain types of vaccines, they're not um, fertilising their paddocks, uh, it's pretty simple for them to go organic. For producers that have, have had a heavy heavy chemical burden, it's a little bit, bit more difficult for them. For producers that are managing um, sort of uh, uh, diseases in their herd, it's a bit more difficult for them to go organic. But certainly out in Western Queensland where we have low rainfall, um, uh, we've got these huge herds. They're, they're eating uh, grass that's been grown for millennia. So uh, it's not seeded. There's no, um, uh, there's no people that are buying seeds that are putting it out into the ground, growing grass, and then they're put, putting the animals on it. It's certainly um, much easier for them to go organic. And it's evidenced by the largest area of certified organic land in the world is in the Lake Air Basin, and a large part of that is in Queensland. Yeah, very, very good flag. Great to chat. You make valid points about this road and trying to, and the impact that it's having on the industry. And the government need to get in and, and they really do need to fi- find a way to get some funding towards it to get it completely done and sealed. Um, no doubt, uh, Darlene, you'll be, you'll be pour- you'd be pouring a lot of energy into that because you understand the importance that it has completely, not on, only on your business, but also um, it, it helps a lot of people throughout Australia. Thanks so much for being with us as usual. Great to chat. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today. It's Wednesday morning, the 23rd of August. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Wednesday morning, the 23rd of August. A very good morning to everybody listening to us. Bill Lyon, St John's Ambulance Queensland, joins us this morning. And St John's Ambulance have started a petition for drivers to do basic first aid as part of their licences. I like it. I like it a lot. Bill, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Morning, Ben. Thank you, and thank you, and good morning to your listeners. It's a pretty aggressive approach, but one that I think uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, just talk to us from St John's Ambulance perspective exactly why this has come about and why you have now started this petition. 
Yeah, look, what we're doing, St John Ambulance Queensland, we're calling on the Queensland Government to make our first aid qualification a prerequisite for obtaining a driver's licence, and that's at no cost to the learner driver. What we really want to do is equip an entire generation of our bystanders with the first aid skills to be able to help reduce death, severity and some injury that may happen on our roads. And again, I think, Ben, the reason we're doing this is uh, the statistics are, are frightening that during um, January to August of this year, 175 fatalities happened on Queensland's roads. And if we can equip some young people and some new drivers with just that basic first aid and even be able to save one license, uh, one licensed driver or a passenger uh, from a fatality, that's what we'd like to do. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, 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 and to be honest with you, you know, there's nothing wrong. But once you get it and once you do that, surely we've got to be able to do a refresher. Like, I don't think it's that hard to make it, you know, people, obviously they do it when they get their licence. But, yeah, you know, we, I've just got recent twins and that's the first thing we went and did again. You know, we went and did a first aid course because we want to be able to make sure that we know. Like, I mean, it, 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 I understand the enormity of it, but, I mean, even raising awareness of it, um, yeah. you, you could do I, I get, I get that it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but gee whiz, it'd help a lot. Look, Ben, I think that's absolutely right with the refresher as well and uh, people that may have done it, uh, a lot of workplaces are now getting their people first aid trained as well. But it's just really having that first bit of confidence and, uh, you know, with you with young children as well, being able to, you know, especially if they swallow something and, again, if you come across road trauma, something like that, just being the basics to be able to understand how to, uh, you know, clear a blocked airway, put them in the recovery position until an ambulance arrives could save that person's life. And so that first aid training that you probably experienced yourself yep. gives you that basic confidence to be able to do that. Yeah, and and that's exactly right. Okay, so it's one thing to have this idea. Next thing's to get it through the government at the moment. They're not exactly endearing themselves on liking change. Uh, is there any at all appetite for this? Look, I think um, it is obviously something that we're, we're working very hard with the, the minister uh, and both sides of politics here in Queensland. Uh, for instance, you know, in Canberra, it's not that difficult. Um, Canberra is reduced for the learner drivers if they do the first aid course. Uh, whilst it's not mandatory, but it's the first step, they've reduced the 100 hours down to 95 hours driving time if you do that. Um, compulsory first aid training is in more than 10 European countries, and I think it's time in Australia we started to do that. That, that basic first aid course will give people the confidence and can save some lives. And again, you know, especially when you go out into rural Australia, you know, what's happening out there, 65% of the fatalities last year happened in rural Australia. And, you know, ambulance wait times uh, in into our metro areas is somewhere between 9 and 14 minutes. So if you come across that in a rural space, you could provide that basic first aid that could save someone's life. And so, again, for the government, uh, we're pushing very hard. We've started the petition with the Queensland government and encourage people to go onto the website of the Queensland Parliament, sign up to our e-petition, and we're working with uh, friends of parliament down nationally as well as locally to, to get this across the line. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think if Canberra are going to embrace it, there's a sort of a wait-and-see approach. Um, it would be nice for every single person to have to do this and that, that gets their hours reduced. Um, would they have to pay for it or how would that work? Like, what's the... No, look, what, what we're advocating for is 
with COVID and the change of learning styles, uh, we've we've seen a, a great online. uptake yeah. in our online training. Sure. And I've recently just done it, and you know it's fantastic. It was a refresher course for me. You watch the scenarios, you do the questions, um, the practical stuff around CPR. You would need to have a trainer, but basically that first aid stuff we will provide to the Queensland government for for free. Uh, that's an immersive course. We'll keep that updated for them. Um, so we're offering that uh, right across the country for free. And, and again, since John Ambulance is known for its first aid training, we've been helping people for 140 years. So we are fairly good at this and we have, have adapted to the times as well. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. And it's one that I, I think that, you know, long term, um, you know, I think this makes... To me, uh, it's a game changer. Uh, I think we all need to do it. I think if you could do it, everybody is better equipped. And carrying a first aid, you know, uh, a pack in, in in your car and at home, my wife laughed at me. I've got to be honest with you. I've always, cause from the bush, you always have a first aid kit. And then when I moved to the city, I got one. Now she says it's the greatest thing we ever had. It, it, it's a really big flag that you should all have one. Absolutely, Ben. We uh, just recently did the ECA and we had a stand in there and the amount of people um, that were coming past that we would ask them, do you have a first aid kit in your car? Do you, do you take it out? Uh, and the amount of people that said no uh, and then those that said yes, we asked, you know, how recently have you checked it? And I think one guy said he's had it in his car for 20 years. I said, well, you might want to check it just to see if the Band-Aids and uh, mm. the basic first aid stuff is still good. So we're encouraging people also to to get those basic first aid kits. And um, Ben, just surprisingly at uh, the Echo, one of our biggest sellers was a, a snake bite kit. So the amount of people that are out and about now and uh, taking those changes uh, around and, and out from horse riding, etc. And, you know, coming from the bush as well, you can be in the middle of nowhere. And if you get bitten by a snake, a snake bite kit can help. So. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Bill Lyon, St John's Ambulance, really appreciate your time, mate. Fantastic. Thank you, Ben, and appreciate it. And if people can sign up to that petition at the Queensland Government, we would be greatly appreciative. Thank you. I think everybody should. I think everybody listening to us should sign that petition. It's a fantastic initiative. Uh, We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Wednesday morning, the 23rd of August. Across Rural Queensland Today, Cyril Close, um, owner of Topex Roma and Managing Director of Topex Australia, joins us this morning on the back of Roma store sale and prime sale yesterday. Um, a yarding of just in excess of 6,000 head there offered for competition. And there's no two ways about it. There's not a lot of homes at the moment in Queensland and New South Wales. We're hearing the, the, the mutton and, and sheep job is absolutely in the toilet and that's off the back of the season in New South Wales. The season in Queensland isn't much better and the effects with numbers coming forward off the back of a, a winter and a bit of heat coming now um, are starting to show some, some gaps. As we've said, this job is really on an edge at the moment. Cyril Close, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, morning, mate. How are you today? Oh, good, mate. Look, uh, there's no two ways about it. I mean, it's not it's not time for panic stations, but this job is uh, considerably cheaper than where we were 12 months ago, considerably cheaper than where we were six months ago. 
and it's seasonal based. The the yarding yesterday, predominantly a lot of cattle from New South Wales. There's no market down there at the moment. They are in dire straits and and you know, from flooding, you know, eight months ago, it's just forgotten to rain and, and they are really starting to see the effect. There's a lot of cattle coming from there. Um and and, and it's putting pressure on the market. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, it is, mate. And um, it's probably one of your first comments there is that it's just the homes to go to. Uh, and it's, I was talking to one of the um, long-standing buyers in the yard there yesterday. He's a local and a um, family from here, been buying here for all his life and his father before him. So, And he just said, you know, every time we get to a point like this, it, your lowest common denominator is your seasonal conditions. And, and he's exactly right. Um, Yesterday, to me, was the first signs of the cattle, the whole yarding, showing the effects of the the dry season. Like their, their coats were rough from that mongrel wind that was around last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever it was, really turned cattle, uh, and it also turned people's attitudes in a hurry. Um, of well, this is um, yeah, looking a bit ugly. So the condition of the cattle yesterday was very evident that um, they get air on the slide. And um, and as you said, this cattle, uh, quite a percentage of cattle coming up from over the border because uh, our market is better than theirs at the moment, but hold your breath. Yeah, and, and, and that's it. And, and, I mean, you're not a scaremonger, Cyril. You never have been. And if anything, mate, you, you we try to keep the job because the market, Roma is the benchmark for Queensland. And I say that with the deepest respect. But we have to look at it in some ways – you know, cattle that are off the pace a little bit, it, it, it's a battle at the moment to sell them. Like, and that's, and I saw it last week in Charters Towers. I've seen it in Dolby uh, last week. Anything that was off the edge, on the edge a little bit, you know, is it, it, just difficult enough to sell at this present moment. And it's light cattle then. Like, yeah. it's, as we've spoken about, and I'm not going to harp on about it, but it's a the heavier cattle have got a home to go to because they're going into the feedlot. But don't worry, that job's getting tired too because of your commodity prices. So, the, there's a squeeze coming there, and um, there's a lot of sort of heavier. There's still enough heavier cattle around the state. Don't get me wrong, but um, and people are just reluctant to go back in and replace with little cattle for some reason, and um, they're, they're the ones feeling the pain. Yeah, it's it, it's really difficult. So feeder cattle at the moment, but the, this little heifer job, that's where it's tough, isn't it? They're, they're very difficult to place at the present moment. Yeah, they are, mate. Yeah, they are. Um, you feed a steer market yesterday, the $3.30 for the better steers that were there, which is, you know, that's still acceptable if you can get enough weight in. We're still getting the $1,300 steer. Um, and then, you know, the better end of your weaner steers were three thirty. Uh There was one line of those steers which was quite light on the weaner end of sort of sub 300 kilos. Did get out to $3.50. Um, but 320 to 330 was a lot of the weaner Um Don't think you're going to send them here next week and get you 350 because that was one specific run of light condition, five pens in a row sort of thing. Um, you'll be looking more like 320 to 330 on your Um And then that heifer market, uh, look, two, we did get $3 for a pen of um, heifers which was Cheryl A. Hereford, one of our long-standing clients at Bell and Roma. They continue to sell here and support the yards, and they get good support because of quality. They were EU heifers. They made $3 for above 300 kilos. But they were a standout because back under that, you were 240s and 220s. Um, and then that is sub-$2 once you get under 220 kilos. 
and that's the thing and, and people just need to know that, that you know and and that's where it is so i mean isolated sales was there any prime cattle there at all yesterday mate gee lisa uh, the, the numbers of prime cows fell apart yesterday there, there was a handful of prime cows there mate but uh, which was Two dollars twenty in the mid two twenties for those, but they were very limited. Um, I don't care showing signs of the weather and um, got sort of a score three cow. Wouldn't make about two dollars to two dollars ten, and then once that we got off that, well then you're under your two dollar mark, and depending on how how light and condition they are, and yeah, you know, cattle are all still strong, mate. Don't get me wrong, like the cattle are still strong and, and whatever. They're not weak by any means, but they're just starting to get rougher in the coat and starting to lose some condition. And uh, as we get some heat, we go forward into the you know spring and whatever else. Uh, I see that being accelerated pretty pretty quickly. Is it rain, mate? Is that it? Is it rain? Oh, enough of it, mate. Like twenty or thirty mils is not going to help anyone this time of year. And as we say, you get into your warm each as we get into each warmer week, we're going to need more of it. So yeah, absolutely, that's the answer. Yeah, and it needs to be over. Over the, over these areas that can well the cropping fellas that they're feeding wheat off now that's what you're hearing there yesterday there was a couple of blokes there buying cattle to go onto wheat failed wheat crops uh, feed it while they can so it looks to be those fellas that sort of hit the end of their chain and um, yeah so it needs to be rain of three or four inch to turn it around but as we get hotter we will need more of it but yeah mate that's where it is and not a good time of the year for it is it. Leads also into these bull sales as well. You've got to feel for those people as well at the present moment. I mean, you know, the seed stock industry, obviously, you know, they have to find homes as well and people need to continue on their program. Um, I, 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 I just worry at the moment. We just need some rain and I, I don't want to be scaremongering. I don't want to – we just need rain. And um, I don't say it'll bounce back to 2022 prices, but I said you'll certainly see an increase in an improvement – if people have got, you know, some grass, no one wants to go through uh, what they've been through. The, the memory is still very much there from three years ago. So no one needs to go through that. No, mate, and, you, and your commodity prices, as you said, you know, cotton seed now, if you can get it, it's up, you know, mid $600 delivered through this part of the world, like hay, it's five and $600 a tonne. There's no great rebates anymore for those people to get the you know, something back because there's no drought declarations. And um, so there's a, you know, the burns double. And, um, you know, yeah, we fed the cattle last time and we got paid for it. And I, I probably believe that that'll happen again uh, for those people. But we're just starting behind the eight ball a fair way this time, mate. We get a longer haul because of the time of year it is. And the, the minimal grass stocks that are out in the paddocks. So, um, you know, like it's, yeah, it sounds like it's all doom and gloom, but it's the reality is there. And, and the stark reality is when you walk around the sale yards and you talk to people, that that's a, that's a pretty good snapshot of a pretty big area. And, and that's what we're getting on a weekly basis, mate. So, um, you know, it's not just here. Dolby 7,500 today. Um, yeah. You know, that's. Um, that will be a bloodbath. That will be a bloodbath with those oh, kind of well. numbers. No, no, no disrespect yeah. to it. Those kind of numbers. That, that Dolby with 7,500. Is close on a yarding record, and I mean that genuinely. That is that is a lot of cattle. Appreciate it. Um, I understand how difficult it is to talk on days like this, but I really appreciate your time this morning. It's all good, mate. We've been here before. We'll continue on. Thanks good for on. the time. Cyril Close, Topics Roma, Topics Australia. We'll take a break, come back with more.
Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. It's uh, Wednesday morning, the 23rd of August, and a very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, if you watched The Voice, you would have seen a good old mate of the bush from Charleville and throughout all through Western Queensland and, and on the Downs, you would have seen him before. Scotty Mack uh, recently uh, auditioned for The Voice. And you can go onto YouTube and watch it. It was a bloody unbelievable rendition of Footloose. He joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Talk to all things music. His journey from Charleville to where he is today. And he joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Good morning, mate. How are you? G'day, mate. How are you going, Ben? Really well. Um, firstly, I did see that audition and I watched it on YouTube. And I got the shits. I've got to be honest with you that they didn't turn. Um can you talk? How, how does one even get pluck up the courage to go into that kind of event? How does that even happen? Uh, mate, I just had another mate that kept bugging me and said, "Mate, you should go on the voice." And I'm like, "Oh, no, nah, I'm not good enough for that show." And he just kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. So I went out the rock wheel near Charleville and uh, I thought, "Oh, well, just to shut him up, I'll go out and make a video and I'll send it in." Yeah. Well, the next next minute, I get an email back saying, "Yep, you're on the show," and I'm like, "Oh, great. Okay, now what do we do?" <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, okay, and we went through everything and um, ended up on the show and and um, decided to go with that one and, and um, give it my best shot and see what happens, yeah. So when you get down there, you know, obviously you've played in many a pub, you've played all your life, but nerve, the nerves factor, because it didn't look like, to me, it didn't look like you were nervous. I, I mean that, and I say that, it looked like you nailed it. I, I, I watched it again yesterday, and I was like, gee whiz, you nailed that. Um, in your own opinion, how do you think you performed? Yeah, mate, I went out there, gave it all I had. Gave it all I had, and um, I was. Um, it took me back to my childhood. That's how I used to be when I was sort of like, um, ten, like between 10 and 14 and that sort of thing going around the country music circuits without a guitar in my hand it would have been a different performance if I had, I had a guitar in my hand and that's been one of the main comics that's you should have had a guitar in your hand and sung a different song I'm like that's okay but um, that's it, it, it. I, I wanted to get everyone on their feet let's go let's have a party and that's how that's how it's like at all of my gigs too most of my gigs you know um, I, I tailor I tailor my shows to each each and every crowd so uh, if it's a party crowd, then we get everyone going, and then if it's a Sunday session and everyone's having a few beers, we sit around and sing a few tunes. So, Scotty, how did it start? Uh, how did it start? Give me that. Give me. I know you're from Charleville, but where did the musician in you come from? Oh, I saw my um, my cousin Karen Griffin. I saw her play when I was um, say, well, my father passed away when I was about nine or ten. And not long after that, we all started going around to these country music festivals and things. And then my cousin had to be singing on stage at one of them. And then the Wormsley brothers, um, they were they were out at um, Charleville on the back of a truck singing once too. So my mum would take me to all these little things. And I just said to mum, I want to do that. And then I ha- happened to get on stage with the Wormsley brothers when I was a kid. And um, I think I sing Chattahoochee, I think. Yeah. And um, and then that, that sort of kicked it all off. And then from there, I had the bug. I had the music bug. It just become a part of me. I always say now, music's who I am. It's not what I do. Uh, even though it is what I am, uh, even though it is what I do, that's just how much I love music. So, and it's always been there for me throughout my life. But yeah, I got started in at a young age doing that. And then we went through, we went around country music festivals and circuits. I joined the Rover Country Music Club. Sure. I was it was part of it for many years. 
and did all the right, did all the competitions, um, the talent competitions and various festivals, and all back when. So we had like Kirsty Lee Acres and the McClymonts, and when 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 we're all coming up through the through the ranks, and I just um, and then yeah, that the, they they had they started their careers, and um, I just mum just couldn't afford to keep pushing me along, so I had to grow up first, and then use my own money to do things. <laughs> so. I mean, you play at a lot of pubs and you write a lot of your own music and you go, you got your own website, you know, and, and you write a lot of your own music, but you've been everywhere. Is it enough to, to make, you know, is this where you want to be full-time or are you having to subsidise it by working or is there enough work now? Uh, mate, I listen to you and I've seen you before play it and I, and I mean this, we are so bloody lucky to have you. We are really lucky to have you in, in regional Queensland and, and, and I just hope that it, it, it translates. Is there is there the work there for musicians? I know COVID would have been very, very hard, but from now and things coming back, is the work there? Um, it's um, it, it's a game where you definitely need to have a second job. Um, all the people that have that that, that, do, that, see, that look like they do it full-time, I know a lot of them don't do it full-time. A lot of them have like, work in a furniture shop one one person works in a furniture shop for five days a week yeah or four days a week and then they go and do their other stuff on the weekends at the moment i'm working at a bottle shop four days a week and then on friday saturday and sunday then i'm working on doing the gigs and the music so um it's definitely it's there's been there's been a really big um uh, explosion of country music festivals and music festivals and stuff after covid so that there's like it's like supply and demand there's just a lot of country music artists now too that are exploding as well just coming out of the woodwork so it's the same like getting you got you got to find your place find your shot and um ask people to give you a go basically so far so good i've popped into a few pubs in, in and around toowoomba um area now that that, that i'm basing myself because there's just more pubs in and around the coast than what there is yeah. out west and i've played out west now for 15 something years so i needed to broaden my horizons and um, but yeah, like I've got a bit of a following now. I get going back to the same pubs, creating a bit of a following, so that that in turn you can probably put your prices up a bit because you've got more people coming in. So there's a lot, lots of the music business that I'm that I'm learning now as well. So yeah, and um, you've also got to be able, you've also got to be able to survive. I mean, you know, as well, that's the big thing. Like you pl- you love it and you're working every weekend. I mean, you're literally working seven days a week. You're working yeah. seven days a week. Yeah, and it takes it can take a toll on uh, family stresses and things like that too. So, but um, you know what, I love music. It's what I do. So, awesome. How do people get in contact with you, mate? If they want to, if they want to book you, um, and, and was there any feedback from the voice? Like you know, after uh, you know they they didn't turn around. I, I can't believe they didn't with some of the crap that they did turn around for. Um, yeah. Um, but was there any feedback from them, like, mate, you know, keep on going, don't, don't give up, come back next year? Is, is there is that part of it for you? No, I don't think I'll go back to the voice again. Um, but what I will do is um, get. I, I do want to make more music. Do do want to release more albums. Do want to do this full time. So uh, when I say full time, I just just be me. Just just keep going and making music, making more film clips. Uh, like I've got a new song out called Beers Like Bullets at the moment, but yeah. um that's reached like number seven on, on, on some of the charts. So, um, you know, and the, it's, I like writing songs and stories about 
true life and and real things that happen. So it just seems to resonate with people. And um, yeah, so I just want to keep writing music, keep doing pub gigs. One day I have my own show as well, yeah. um, a ticketed show, which I'm I'm looking at now, but I just don't know where um, how to do all that. Anyone out there that wants to <laughs> help me orchestrate a ticketed show, I'm all I'm all ears. Just yeah. go to scottymacmusic.org and send me an email and um, in the contacts there, and um, yeah, they can get all my details off off the website. Favorite cover, favorite favorite two covers you love playing at a pub. Oh, Flame Trees, Jimmy Barnes, and probably Copperhead Road, mate. <laughs> They're two bangers. They're two bangers. Yep. Hey, listen, we'll catch up somewhere along the track. Great story. Um, and look, I mean that. Scotty Mac, um, is it .org? Is that where they go to? Yep, www.scottymacmusic.org. That's where we go. All right, scottymacmusic.org. Appreciate your time this morning on Rural Queensland today. Cheers, mate. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Um, as we all know, AgQuip started yesterday uh, in New South Wales, one of the biggest, biggest uh, farm machinery and obviously uh, outdoor days, field days that there are is in Australia. Uh, Colin Bettle is the Chief Executive Officer of Grain Producers Australia and he recently wrote an opinion piece in the Queensland Country Life and it was... It was a very, very good piece outlining just the absolute um, stupidity of what the government has done in trying to ban this live sheep trade um, to, in live export. Now, we've talked and highlighted and seen so many different challenges and the social justice that's coming from this government at this present moment is quite concerning because if they start here, where do they end? And it's to every single person listening to us today who can be affected Colin, good morning, and thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, mate. Thanks for having me on. Concerned is one word, um, just about the social justice that's going on um, with what is happening in this world, but what the government and all the stipulations. But you must be concerned. You know, grain producers of Australia are obviously worried, but it's all in all, it's the whole fabric of agriculture at this present moment. Well, that's kind of what we were talking about, the term social licence being um, politically corrupted um, in application to banning the live sheep trade. So you're in Queensland, there's a lot of cattle producers in Queensland, so you should be on red alert, as should other people in the agriculture sector, because, um, you know, the the sheep trade, the the issues that were highlighted in 2018 were presented to Channel 9 by animal rights activists. We know there's plenty of evidence and media reporting of that the activists were paid or the activists paid uh, people to provide that video footage. Um, so that's questionable evidence. So it's fruit from the poison tree. Um, but despite that, and, and David Littleproud was a minister at the time, he sent the industry on a journey of improvement. You know, they've got vets on board the, sh- sure. the ships. Yep. Oh. Um, they've made a huge amount of improvement at their own business costs. Mate, the know, mortality rates well, are the lowest they've ever been, ever been. And, and, and that's proven. Yep. That, that, that You can't argue with these stats. Like, it, it's the... Yep. It, it's the most user-friendly um, animal welfare is at the paramount, and yet it doesn't matter what what kind of stats you give, they just they absolutely they don't like it. They've cut a deal. They've cut a deal with someone that this has got to go, and it doesn't matter what we do or what happens. The deal has been done well, well above our pay rate. 
Well, that's right. 99.97% is the um, success rate. So the mortality rate's 0.03. And they're the improvements that have been made over the last five years. But the change of government, they're just going to implement this policy despite the evidence. And that's what we're concerned about. A lot of grain producers also run sheep, especially in Western Australia, where about 40% of the national grain crop is produced. It's complementary in the farming systems. So crops like uh, lupins that fix nitrogen in the soil. So you, instead of running wheat on wheat every year, you run lupins, they go to sheep feed. Uh, so there is a uh, flow-on effect to the grains industry, but also the political policy is wrong and we're just calling it out and standing up for what's right and that was the essence of the opinion article and you know the the cattle industry and especially in your part of the world should be on red alert are you concerned i mean you know as the chief executive of grain producers australia you represent a huge population of rural and regional australia and if they start one and, and the grain industry is paramount to the cattle industry is a paramount to the paramount to the live sheep trade industry, to the feedlotting industry, uh, to the export with, with our exports. We know how important it is. But you talk about trespassers, you talk about people wanting to try and, and put in stipulations and we're seeing the EU now dictate who and what can purchase cattle as long as it comes from the right kind of country and, and the right kind of farming practices and all this kind of garbage that's going on. Are you concerned that's where we're heading if we continue down this road? Because if it starts with the sheep industry and the live trade, as sure as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, we're going to see more stipulations. And it can be on any industry. It can be the farming practices of the grain grower. It could be the feedlotters. You name it, it's going to have an effect. And then it just flows through the whole industry. Well, I think Murray Watt's a very pragmatic um, minister and politician, um, the federal ag minister. So he's probably aware of this, but um, probably like Joe Lug- Ludwig before him, who was also a solicitor, he, he's a, a good team man. So he's he's going out to do a job for his team. And this is coming from the far left in the Labor Party. Yep. And it's going to have flow-on consequences. Now, um, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, went to WA during the election campaign and said, we're in a cost-of-living crisis in Australia and, and, and WA is the epicentre. And most people live in Perth in WA, about 90%. Now, if we're in a cost of living crisis, for you to shut down an industry that's operating at a 99.97% delivery success rate, our customers are happy with the product. We're leading the world in in animal welfare standards. We're investing in systems uh, in market in other countries to improve um, animal husbandry practices. For you to shut that down, an industry that's creating wealth in rural communities, creating jobs and has flow-on impacts, uh, that's a very poor policy if we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis. And this is all going on while we're still waiting to hear what's happening with budget repair. So, but from our point of view, we just had to call out what we thought was uh, was wrong and that in, there are other things in the grain sector or other policy areas where we wouldn't want to see the same precedent and access to fertiliser, for example. We've oh, seen bad policy decisions overseas. It's been dreadful, dreadful. Yeah. So, you know, we bailed the cat on those sort of matters for the future, but uh, I'm sure Murray Watt's well aware of the tough job that he's got here, and and um, the WA government also, uh, the you know the ag minister there doesn't support this decision either. So you know it's not a um, perfect science politically either. Great flag. Um, moving forward, and I, I mean this, um, you know we can only hope that they do listen. Um, look, um, and it's a great it was a great piece in the QCL last week. 
um, raising Thanks. just awareness. And, and to be honest with you, it, it resonated with a lot of people. Colin, you're at Agquip, but you've got a, you do something pretty special. Brad Hogg is an absolute icon of Australian cricket. We know his um, absolute ability, what he did on the field, but it's off the field where yourselves and Brad Hogg are doing wonderful things around the mental health sphere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we started the program uh, last year. We we're getting out to field days and we're supported by uh, New Farm and Rural Aid and Lifeline and, and also now Grain Growers, which is also a representative of Australian grain producers at national level. So we've got a really strong team behind it. Hoggy's actually sitting next to me, mate. We're on the road to Agquip. He's Beautiful. so enthusiastic about this. He's passionate about talking to farmers and rural people about mental health because he comes from a, a grain farm in WA or wheat and sheep. So he's trying to take the phone off me to get on, actually, Ben. <laughs> you might have to get moving with the interview. But we'll go out to AgQuip today. We do this in partnership as well with GPA state members. So AgForce, we were up at um, FarmFest there yep. um, a couple of weeks ago and AgQuip with New South Wales farmers. And then we'll be with grain producers, South Australia, at the York Peninsula field days. And I won't go through the list, but you get the, the yeah, feeling get of what the, we do. And, yeah, and it's yeah. an unbelievable thing. And especially, you know, like in all sphere, we know how... Uh, mental health and suicide is just a huge part, unfortunately. The statistics don't lie that, you know, if you live in the bush, there's a higher possibility of that happening. That's just fact. Um, and, and it's wonderful that grain growers, along with Brad Hogg, one of the real good guys, are doing these kind of things and these initiatives. Mate, enjoy your ad quip and really appreciate you giving me some time this morning, Colin. Um, a fantastic article. It was a very, very pointed and it, it resonated with a lot. I had a countless discussions last week. Uh, over the weekend with people around it and just exactly where we start and, and, and if we continue to go down this path, you know, it, as sure as it happens, we will all be affected. So thank you for highlighting it once again. It was a very, very good article. Appreciate your time this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it from us here this morning on this Thursday morning on Rural Queensland Today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I certainly have. We'll be back tomorrow morning from 9am in this great state of Queensland and we can keep you updated with everything that's going on across rural and regional Queensland. Stay safe on the roads and remember when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, have a great day and it's bye for now.